is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I thought I would do a program, a video of the production of Is That Really in the Bible? and tell you more about it and the concept and idea of where I got the idea from and how all of this is put together. You know, the, the idea for Is That Really in the Bible? I think for me, I had gotten to a point where I thought, you know, almost as if religion has ceased to be relevant as I would listen to preachers on the radio. I think I told a story about listening to one just recently and a big congregation, an eloquent speaker on the radio and he said, would you like for me to hear me talk like Donald Duck? And he begins to talk like Donald Duck and I thought, well this is strange and eventually I just cut my radio off and, said, and I thought to myself, religion has ceased to be relevant today. It's not relevant anymore. And so the idea of, is that really in the Bible, is to challenge people's belief system. Because as you look at the condition of today's churches, you know, just recently I read a statistic that says 100 churches are closing down every week. You know that, and, and they're becoming breweries and, and, and different things they're, they're doing to these churches, but it's a sad state of, of affair when you realize how many churches are closing down. And I think one of the reasons they're closing down is because the message, the message, the message has ceased to be relevant. So the idea of, is that really in the Bible, it was to challenge people's belief system, uh, deliberately sometimes to be controversial. I have a, a plaque on my wall in my office that says this, it's a minister's creed. I'll read you part of it. It says, religion is the one area where falsehood is valued the greatest. Imagine that. The reason falsehood is valued in religion is because there is, is a perceived personal gain, the gain of not having to do what the Bible clearly says to do. In other words, there are theologies built around why we don't have to do this in the Bible. Whatever, you know, this thing that we're not wanting to do. Well, there are whole theologies built around, for example, not keeping the law. You have a complete systematic theology built around why Christians don't have to obey the law. Continuing on, it says, People will only change when they have heard preaching that makes them feel uncomfortable, and not a moment before. It's not an issue of people not understanding the Bible. The real issue is people not wanting to do what the Bible says. So, I remember back when my mother was sick, we would take turns staying with her, and I turned on the TV, about the only time I watched TV, was when she was sick, but, and there was a preacher on there, and it was, um, he was talking about the subject of Christmas, and he had all of his information correct. He talked about the pagan, pagan origins of Christ, Christmas, he talked about the Saturnalia, but as he presented his message, which was absolutely true about the origins of Christmas, he was so nice. He was so careful not to offend anyone. He was so pleasing to listen to as he went. His, his approach was, I report, you decide, and I'll just report the facts. And when he got through, I asked myself, I said, okay, Christmas. 
Should I keep it? Should I not keep it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it pleasing in God's eyes? Or is God displeased? None of those things were ever answered because he was so worried about stepping on toes or hurting people's opinions or, or their cherished, you know, concept or cherished celebration of Christmas. And so he never really dealt with uh, you know, he, he didn't go down the area of controversial. And so for me, I try to deliberately put hooks in people, get them stirred up, get them angry, get them mad, get them upset, so that they will in turn turn to the Word of God and see what it says. My, my experience, about 24 years in the ministry, 26 years, uh, a partnership where me and my brother-in-law brother own a business, and, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, being a business, part of a business, you know, that's, there's some important life lessons in, in doing it because you work with people. You hire people, you fire people, you, you get to see what people are, are really like in the outs, outside the church, in the world. So it's been very helpful to, to be in a business like that. And it also allows me, since I'm self-employed, to do... I guess spend more time doing what I do. Uh, is that really in the Bible? It has allowed me some freedom there to do that. Um, some people will ask, well, what church do you belong to? Well, I serve a very small church called the Church of God Rocky Mount, located in Virginia, Rocky Mount, Virginia. And the church supports the work of is that really in the Bible? Now, I don't get paid to serve the church. And the reason is it can't afford to do both, to pay me to, to serve in the ministry and to do the work of evangelism. Is that really in the Bible? The church pays for all of the equipment, the lights, the camera, the computers, the recording machines, uh, the duplicators. It paid for all of that. It pays for the cable TV stations that we run. We run two local cable TV stations. The program, Is That Really in the Bible? And... Uh, it costs, uh, one, one program costs about 300 a month, the other one about 350 a month to, to do that, to run that on cable TV. We also run uh, on radio. We have several stations on, on radio across the U.S. where the audio of the program, is that really in the Bible, we run that also. So the church, you know, that runs probably a couple thousand a month, and then you got about 700 for cable TV. So the church pays for, it supports the work of, is that really, really in the Bible? Cable TV, I just want to mention this. If you have uh, in your area where you live, I would love to spread this message out more. If you know of a cable TV station where you would like to run the program, as long as you can pay for it yourself, <laughs> I'd be glad to send you the DVDs you know, on a monthly basis where you can run this program in your local area, which would be very helpful in spreading the word uh, to the whole world, or at least to the USA, the United States of America, to get the message out. Um, people often like to put you in a box, okay, what church do you belong to? Uh, you know, and they're looking for, you know, a box to put you in, Baptist, Catholic, church, you know, whatever. I like to tell people I belong to the church that Jesus started 2,000 years ago with his disciples. That's the church I belong to. And the approach I take with, is that really in the Bible, is what I believe, 
comes from the Bible. I never forget one time I was talking to a man in Kenya, and uh, we were corresponding together, and I asked him, I said, where did you find out about the Sabbath? And I loved his answer. He said, the Bible. Oh, man, what, a, what an answer. So that's, that's the approach I like to take. That, okay, what I believe, because once people label you, once they put you in the box, they can discredit you. So the approach I like to take is, okay, this is what I believe. This is here. Here it is in, the, in your Bible is the approach I like to take. Okay, the production or the building of the program. One of the first things I do is to build the program in a laptop computer using a, uh, using a program, something like uh, PowerPoint, where I put all my key points in you know, a PowerPoint presentation. From there, the program or the written out version of it is taken to our studio or the studio, which is really our church that's been converted into temporarily into a studio. You'll see a picture of it there, basically what it looks like. Here, the program has been uploaded into the monitor and I'm basically just clicking through that, looking at the keynotes that I want to, all the notes that I want to remember, and of course scripture references also. Uh, here's a picture of the program being recorded at the church. From that point, you have to take the program to be edited, and I use a program called Pinnacle, Pinnacle Studio, to edit the program. And of course, you, you download all that into the editing system. Here you see a picture of the green screen and the shot that it looks like, uh, the program being transferred over into the editing equipment or Pinnacle Studio. Of course, you have the same intro that is always repeated again and again. Then you have, of course, the backgrounds. And the, the background pictures are the background pictures are important to me because I'm a visual person. When I first started this, I wanted to shoot, for example, if I was talking about the state of the dead, I wanted to go to a cemetery and record it there. And I realized soon enough that would be entirely too much trouble to do that, too much work. And so I, uh, I, got, I started studying green screen or chroma key technology, which is what the weatherman uses. And I realized that that green screen behind you there you can replace whatever video or image you want, and it's great for adding scripture references also. So it, it allowed me, because I see things, you know, a picture is more valuable, it can say more than a thousand words could ever say, for me. So I'm a very vi visual person. So uh, there was one woman that commented on a program, said that she liked the background. That's what she liked about it, you know, all the background pictures that I use. So from that point, the uh, background pictures are added, then, of course, you have the scripture references that have to be added to in the editing part of it. At the end, you put the uh, offers, whatever offer you may want to offer, literature, and you have to add the voiceovers. I, I get um, Gary Gibbons from, from Texas to do my voiceovers and, and the offers. You hear his voice at the beginning of the program and at the ending of the program. From that point, once the, the program is completed, or I have completed the program as far as the editing phase of it, then I let my wife go over and she makes all the corrections needed. Uh, 
She'll say, well, David, you said something wrong. You didn't say that word right, and you got the wrong scripture reference or whatever. So and all, and all of this takes time to do this, to, to edit the program and make sure everything's running smoothly. From that point, the programs are, the disc, they're, they're produced into uh, DVDs. And here's uh, you know, the, the duplicating equipment and the uh, printer, CD printer, DVD printer. You have to duplicate all of your DVDs. <clears throat> and then from that point, they are sent to the television stations or people that like to order the program and just watch it in their own homes. Now, from that point, once the program is completed, what I do is I go into, back into the editing and I cut up. I try to create seven, about three, three and a half minute videos, which will be uploaded to YouTube, GodTube, Facebook. This is for people that, the majority of the people uh, who have a short ten attention span, you know, <laughs> cutting up the video into short little segments. And, um, I just think it's a, it's a valuable tool that is needed in our short attention span society. All of that is an additional work. And of course, also, everything is uploaded to different mediums that I use, such as SoundCloud, Vimeo. Um, the website is another big issue, editing the website weekly, putting up the programs on there. All of this takes a lot of time. And, so one program basically takes me about eight to nine hours to do from start to finish, from creating it, designing it, recording it, editing, all of this, about eight hours to, to finish one program. So I'm, I'm working, you know, about an additional 32 hours a month, and I have a full-time job. So, so after you know a full-time job, 40 hours a week or whatever, and then I tack on to that eight hours for this. Or actually, it probably goes over that because I'm probably underestimating this. Again, being self-employed has helped me to be able to have more time. And of course, you got the weekends also. Or in our type of work, if it rains, you know, I'll have a day off or something like that. I've got this day off, and then I'm, so I'm doing some more recording uh, this program. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that is that really in the Bible is basically a one-man show. Now I do, my wife helps a lot in a lot of different areas, but it's, it's basically a one-man show and um, takes a lot of time to, to, to do this. I would love to be able to do this full-time. I'd love to be able to quit my job and do this full-time. I think, you know, it, it's, it's as far as serving people and serving people, you, it's like a part-time job. You can only do so much part-time work. You can only do it so good part-time. I have a very creative mind and I'm always coming up with new concepts, new ideas, uh, a way to get the word out there. And my biggest struggle is, as far as lack of time, well that is my biggest struggle, not having the time to dedicate to this work. Is that really in the Bible? Uh, the, the biggest thing that bothers me is the need to promote the message. I was watching a documentary on the Bee Gees and they talked about writing, you know, it's, they talked about all the time you spend writing songs. You know, it's one thing to write a great song, but then they talked about that all the other half of your time had to be spent promoting 
this song because if no one ever hears it, you know, that's the problem. It, it, it really, it, it kills me. You know, you'll, you'll put a video on, on um, YouTube and you get 45 hits, 45 views. You know, there's millions of people in the world and you got 45 views on YouTube. I mean, that, just, that stuff just, just kills me. So, you know, the time to promote, and, and there is a way to promote these things. You know, I once read, uh, heard that it takes about, I think, $5 million a month to saturate the U.S. on television. It was some outrageous, I don't know for sure about that quote, but it was millions of dollars per month to saturate the U.S. on television. Well, I, you know, even if I had millions of dollars, I think that would be uh, not a good way to spend people's money, tithe money or whatever. I think there's a better way. A lot of this stuff is free. Facebook, YouTube, uh, GodTube, a lot of these mediums that are out there are, are free. It's just that you've got to promote it. You've got to figure out a way to promote. There's a way to promote. There's a science behind pr promoting your website. There's a science behind promoting your YouTube videos, your Facebook videos. And that's what I don't have time to do. You know, I have never been one to beg or ask for money. It just kills me the thought of that, you know, doing that. And, of course, there's another concept, asking you shall receive. But my, my point is this. Um, if God places that upon your heart to give to this ministry of is that really in the Bible, then glory be to God for that. Um, you can write me at is that really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. You know, it's, it, it's a strange thing. I have actually tried to quit doing this on, at least on several different occasions, where, and partly because of a couple reasons. Um, one reason I'll get discouraged when I look at maybe the views on YouTube, or I think, okay, this, this video got 40 views, this video got 60 views. Why am I knocking myself out, spending all this time and energy doing this for, for such little results? And the second reason I thought about, I've tried to quit, was as part owner of a business, what I do for, to make a living, uh, that I felt guilty in our partnership with my brother-in-law, Ronnie, I felt, I felt like, okay, I need to spend more time working. And so on several occasions, I've just said, okay, that's it. I, I'm going to devote my energy and time toward the work that I do to make a living at. Because, you know, I don't, I don't make any money at, is that really in the Bible? My, my money is made in subcontract type of work. So I said, that's it. I'm going to just focus on the work that I make a living, living at what I do for a living, what I do to make money. And I would get on the job and I'd be with the guys and I would, all of a sudden, I mean, I would be overwhelmed with inspiration. And I would think, oh, oh, this would be a good program. And that would, that, and I always carry a notebook with me. And I would fill, I'd spend my lunch filling up a notebook or writing in my notebook ideas for a new program. Now I've had this to happen twice when I've tried to quit. And it's, it's a strange phenomenon. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I believe that there is, with each generation that comes along, there is a message for such a time as this. 
that maybe from God's perspective, God looks and says, okay, when it comes to evangelism, this is, this is what we need, you know. And again, I'm not saying, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the only one or anything like that. There are plenty of people out there getting the word out, and, and God bless them. But it is strange that on the, the times that I've tried to quit, it seems that I, I could not. And I do believe that, is that really in the Bible, that it is for such a time as this? You know, the thing about evangelism is that you have to, it's not enough just to come up with a message. You have to promote it. You have to get it out there into the public's ears, eyes, mind. And that's a great challenge, and it takes a lot of work and energy to do just that. I um, personally believe that the message has to be heard. The message of is that really in the Bible, has to be heard. I don't believe, as we near the return of Jesus Christ, and I, and I believe that we are near that point right now, where, where Christ will return to this earth, save us from ourselves, and establish the government of God on this earth. But that end-time generation that Jesus spoke of, you know, this generation shall not pass. That generation is not going to be able to say to God when he returns, well, God, I never heard. I, I never knew which day was your Sabbath. I never knew the blessing of the Sabbath. Uh, Lord, I never knew that your law was not abolished. It was not nailed to the cross. Uh, it, it, it had not been, you know, abolished or whatever. I, all I ever heard was the exact opposite. That it had been abolished, it had been nailed to the cross. God is not going to allow people to live in ignorance. That end times generation, a message has to be heard. God's not going to allow people to say, well, I, I never heard about your holy days. Never heard, never once heard about them. He's not going to allow that end time generation to play dumb and, and to be ignorant. They have got to hear the message. So... Anyway, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? And I've just got to get a message to you, to the world. Well, I think people have to be challenged uh, before they can be brought to a point of connectivity with God. Confrontation is something most people do not like. And to be confronted with God's will is something that most people shy away from. When you consider some of the examples we see in the Bible, uh, Abraham, go sacrifice your son, your only son, Moses, free my people, the Israelites, and Moses' response, of course, was not me, send somebody else. And, and then you have the example of Jesus. I want you to give your life as a sacrifice for mankind. And Jesus' response was, Father, if there's any other way to work this out. All of these examples have one thing in common. They had to be confronted with God's will. Confrontation. If you ever enter into a personal relationship with God, it will be through confrontation. I mean, you're going to have to be faced with something from the Word of God that you don't want to do. 
This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. This program has been sponsored by your local Church of God Rocky Mount. We invite you to fellowship with us every Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Our address is Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, you can contact us by email at minister at cogrm.com. That's minister at cogrm.com. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.